All right. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> good to see you guys today. And it is uh, good to be here worshiping with you. Um, again, for those of you that I do not know yet, uh, my name's Roland. I'm the lead pastor here, and we look forward to uh, getting to know you, getting to walk with you, getting to serve you as we serve Jesus in this city together. And so with that in mind, um, I am going to jump right in. Um, what we've been doing over the past several weeks is we've been going through a new series, which is actually called The Good News According to Luke. The Good News According to Luke, because what we are here to celebrate is the good news that Jesus provided for us, right? We are here to celebrate and worship the king who actually not came to add to the troubles of this world, but to alleviate the troubles of this world. He actually came to redeem, restore, to change, to alleviate the pain and the suffering that's there in this world as our great God and Savior. And so one day he will do that in the completion, um, but in the meantime, he is doing it day by day as we love him, honor him, and serve him as disciples of Christ. And so today, what we're doing is we are um, going into part three of our message, which um, is going to be based around this statement, that Jesus wants you to be a healed disciple, a healed disciple who makes disciples. Jesus wants you to be a healed disciple who makes disciples. And if you've been in the church for any period of time, a lot of times we jump to the latter part. Do we not? We think about all that we ought to do, ought to be, and ought to perform in God. But whenever you see Jesus showing up on the scene, he puts things in right order in our lives, in our relationship with him, and also how we walk with him in the world. And he says, ultimately, yes, I want you to be a disciple maker, but ultimately I want you to be healed disciples who make disciples. And so we're going to break this message down into those three parts today. We're going to talk first about being a disciple. Secondly, we're going to talk about he being healed by the master. And then finally, we're going to talk about making disciples. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us, that you might, we might not only know you in word, but we might know your heart. And God, we pray that you would reveal your heart to every man and woman in here today, that Father, regardless of what we've heard about you, regardless of what we've experienced in the church world up to this point, that God, we'd have eyes to see you freshly today, ears to hear your heartbeat, and to really receive a touch from the master. Father, we're asking you that you would restore what needs to be restored, that you would begin the process of healing what needs to be healed, and that your people would leave strengthened, more enamored, and consumed with your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so <clears throat> let's start by talking about what it means to be a disciple. If you have a Bible today, let's open to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And what we've got to do is understand that ultimately, regardless of whether you grew up in the church or not, we've got to embrace the understanding that God is not simply looking for people who call themselves believers. He's looking for disciples. He's not calling for people to just simply have a mental assent to him or agree with things intellectually. He's calling people to follow him wholeheartedly as disciples. And we'll see this in Luke chapter 5. It says, 
on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, meaning Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. A big old goose egg. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Now this is a picture of Jesus who is giving us an idea of what it means to not only encounter him, but to follow him. And I, I love the honesty of the scripture because when you look at this scene, Jesus is beginning his ministry and he's calling his posse per se to be the group of men, the group of disciples who would ultimately turn the world upside down by following him in his ways. But when he first encounters these individuals, what we see from this encounter is that they were on the job and they were frustrated men. They were frustrated men. They were going to work day by day, going through their daily rhythms, their responsibilities. They know, this is a skill I have. I'm trying to put my skills to use. I've got to make a living. I'm going fishing. But what they did day by day is they came back, and at least in this moment, they came back, and they were frustrated because, listen, I've been out all night, they said, and I caught absolutely nothing. I caught absolutely nothing. And then Jesus, beginning his ministry, is on the shore, and then he says to these frustrated men, listen, I'm going to get involved in your life right now. And I don't think people know that when Jesus gets involved in your life, that which was barren, that which was dry, and that which was frustrating to you automatically begins to spring up with new life. And Jesus all of a sudden gets involved in the boat, and he says, listen, I know You did all this before without me, but now you have my backing. Put out the nets and put down the catch for a fish. Put down the nets for a catch of fish. And when he puts it down, all of a sudden, because of Jesus' word towards them and Jesus' involvement in their situation, they pull in such a haul that not only do their boats begin to sink, but the boats of their co-workers begin to sink as well. There's so much blessing that they can't even contain it. Because Jesus gets involved in their lives. And ultimately, Peter's response to that is, Lord, get away from me. I'm a a sinful man. (laughs) And I don't have the right to be in your presence, right? 
Because when we see the goodness of God, all of a sudden we're humbled by his goodness, are we not? They might not have been encountering Jesus prior to that moment, but they might have heard about the law of God. They might have heard about the things of God, the covenant of God. But until they actually encountered Jesus in a real way, they were willing to go through their lives as frustrated people, going through the rigmarole until they understood that something could be different when Jesus made himself known to them. And Jesus encountered them. He would change their business. He would change their life. He would change what was going on in their souls. Their souls, their mind, their will, and their emotion. And that awakening that Peter had started him on the course of being a disciple. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple is ultimately, we need to define this, not just someone, as I said, who believes the right things about God, but it's somebody who bases all of their thinking. It's somebody who braces all of their speech and someone who bases all of their actions, their very life pursuits, after the orientation or after the leading of the master. When you say you're a disciple, it is not enough to say that you grew up in church. It is not enough to say that you had parents who were God-fearers or people who did things for God. A disciple is somebody who says, Lord, Master, I know I'm a sinful person, but I know you can change me. I know that you can heal me. I know that you can make wrong things right in not just everyone else's situation, but my situation. So I'm giving my all to follow you. And whatever I have now is yours. For your honor, for your glory, make me what you want me to be. Make me what you want me to be. And ultimately, that's what Jesus did with Simon Peter. He says, ultimately, I'm making you into something. And if you haven't submitted your life to Jesus in such a way where you allow him to make you something that you might not have thought of yourself, then you might not have encountered him yet. If you haven't submitted to God and said, Lord, you are in charge of every aspect of my life right now. You might have called him Savior before, but you've not called him Lord. And Lord means that he's the shot caller. And by being the shot caller, he transforms every aspect of your life as a disciple. And what you need to see as a disciple is that your faith in Christ's substitutionary work at the cross, and ultimately his subsequent resurrection from the dead, is what saves you. But why is it so important that you understand that Jesus is trying to make you into something? It's because ultimately, it's not just about your faith, but it's about your obedience. Your obedience to Christ, being actively involved in the mission of Jesus, which is what he was calling Peter to, is what God uses to save others. Your faith in what Jesus did on the cross saves you. But your obedience in following God as a disciple is what God uses to literally save others. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. 
That's what it means to be those who walk with Jesus and are his hands and feet in the earth to accomplish his will, to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's why later the Apostle Paul would even say this. He said, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Both yourself and your hearers, based on how you live as a disciple of Jesus. And we hear this, but the question is, is that how do we get there? How do we get there if we're broken, frustrated people in need of healing? How do we even get to a place where we can actually be made the men and the women that God has called us to be? When I've got church hurt. When I've been burned by the very people that I felt like were supposed to represent God and love me. What do I do in a moment like that? What do I do? What do I do when I'm like the people that Jesus would encounter in his earthly ministry? You see him following this example. And immediately he goes and begins to heal two types of people. One was a leper and one was a paralytic. And a leper was somebody who has a condition of the nervous system that allowed them not to feel what they needed to feel. Their nerves were dead. They would oftentimes have parts of their body that were damaged and hanging off of them, parts of their their body that were decaying because the nervous system, if you put your hand on a stove, you couldn't feel it. And so you were being burned. And then all of a sudden you were being burned, but you couldn't feel it. But then that obviously hurts you. And then that infection got in there, began to deteriorate that which was otherwise supposed to be healthy in your body. That's what the condition produced. And a paralytic is what it sounds like. One who was crippled, couldn't walk, couldn't get around on their own. And the good news is that when Jesus started his ministry and was calling people after himself, he healed both types of people, both physically, but I'm here to tell you today, you're a bunch of young, healthy people, but he also heals those same types of people spiritually. If you need physical healing, the master can physically heal you. But if you are somebody who's a disciple or long to be a disciple but found yourself with a spiritual condition of leprosy, a spiritual condition of paralysis, and don't know how to get out of it, the good news is the master's coming. And we see that in Luke chapter 5, that Jesus wants you to be healed as a disciple. It says, while he was in one of the cities... Verse 12, there came a man full of leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, begged him. And my question is, is are you in a place in your life where you're finally ready to get desperate enough to beg the master for some healing? To say, I'm not willing to go through this another day. I need to be healed in my mind, my emotions, my soul, my relationships. Are you willing to go to the master like this man and beg him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. 
if you will, if you're willing, you can make me clean. See, he had enough of a faith to say, I've heard you've done it for other people, and I know you can do it. I'm just not convinced you're willing to do it for me. Has anybody ever been there before? You've heard about all the good things that God wants to do for other people, but for some reason, whether it be the enemy, the demons of hell, or even your own thoughts because of how people have spoken and degraded your worth over the years, you say it's good for everybody else but not me. And he goes to Jesus and he says, listen, I can't take this anymore. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And, and Jesus, he said, he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. You know what that word means in the Greek, I will? It means I am willing. Not only am I willing, but I'm happy to do it, meaning I'm predisposed to do this. The very reason I've shown up is to meet you in this way and heal you. He says, I am willing. Be clean. But do you know that God's willing on your behalf today? Do you have faith that God himself is willing to touch you in the areas that have defined you for not just years, but for some of you, decades? Just like this man with leprosy. And say, I can pull you from the outside in. You see, this man with leprosy, because of his condition, he was not only in his heart cut off from the heart of God, but he was cut off from society, functional society as a whole. He was on the outskirts and had to go around saying, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine the type of emotional pain and rejection that he was carrying around with him? And Jesus says to you, I say I'm willing. Everyone else might have overlooked you, but not me, baby. I'm coming, and I'm saying I'm willing. Be clean. Jesus, you know, he was just beginning his ministry, so he wanted to get around the city. And so he said, hey, listen, make sure not to tell anybody. I'm going to heal you, but don't tell anybody. Everybody want, and wonder why Jesus said that to people. He's like, I'm going to heal you, but shh. Just go offer the gift that Moses prescribed for the healing. Anybody ever wonder why Jesus said that? It is not because Jesus was not evangelistic. He just was trying to get around the city to get it to as many people as possible. But when the word spread, it said that crowds came around him. It made it difficult, right? Pressed around him. He was trying to get the word out because he came to heal. And he healed not just this man, but it says on one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And it says, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Let me tell you something. Part of why we gather together as believers in church is because we believe that when two or more gather together in his name, there he is with us. And when he's with us, guess what? There is power to heal. Power to heal. Why? Because you're not just depending on your faith in the Lord, but you get to tap into the faith of your brothers and your sisters on the right and on the left. Isn't that good news? So if I'm coming in crippled, 
And if I'm coming in dysfunctional, I can tap in to your faith and say, I need some help. Take me to the master. You see that? And this is what we're going to see in this encounter that Jesus had with the paralytic. He said the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So the man was crippled, but he had some friends. He had some people who cared. He had some disciples who said, it's not just about me being a disciple. I want to help get somebody else to the master. And they saw no way in, so what did they do? You know the story. They did what? They tore open the tiles in somebody else's house. Anybody ever recognize that? That wasn't their house. <laughs> they broke into somebody else's house. And people were like, what are you doing? Oh, he needs to meet Jesus. They broke into somebody else's house and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, their faith. Okay, now, hold, hold on now. The man on the mat was paralyzed, but it said when Jesus saw their faith, the people who were audacious enough to say, you know what, I'm all right right now, and I'm dragging my friend here who's paralyzed and needs to be healed. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get them in front of the master. And when Jesus saw their faith, not the paralyzed man's faith, but their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And I love Jesus. He's like, I didn't stutter. He said, When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, you or to say, Rise and walk. <laughs> but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority. Authority, not just in heaven, but where? On earth, to change things, to affect things, to touch people, heal them, and not only heal them from their leprosy, but also their paralysis. Getting them unstuck, unstuck in life. He says, so that you might know that I have authority to break into a man or a woman's life, to reach down, change their heart, and give them new life in me, give them power to live and be free. Let's keep that scripture up. He says, so that you might know that he has authority, authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And that is what Jesus comes to do. He says, I'm going to make you a disciple who comes to the master for healing so that you can be healed to in turn make disciples. You see that? 
He says, you get it in you, what it really means to be touched by the master. You get the healing that you need. And then he says, you're dragging those who are paralyzed or leprous with you to come and get a touch from the master as well. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to be perpetually happy, up, bubbly, or free from pain to meet Jesus or qualify as someone he chooses as a disciple. Do you hear that? That's what this scripture is telling us. Jesus chooses those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are in pain. And he says, though the world may reject you, I choose you. When we've received from the Lord as a disciple, it's nothing but a natural thing to overflow and with love and thankfulness and want to tell others about the one who's loved us so. My wife's in here today. For those of you who don't know me, some of you might find it difficult to point her out. <laughs> you might not guess who she is. <laughs> because we're a blended family. <laughs> I remember one of, my fa- one of my favorite encounters on a campus back in the day was when I was preaching, and there was somebody met my wife. B.B., could you raise your hand? If you want to meet her, there she is. Okay. <laughs> okay. And somebody came and said, oh, you're married, right? And they, they said, where's your husband? And I was standing right there. And I said, let me tell you something. <laughs> what you need to understand is that the fisherman is a black man. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right, so, but the point is, the point is, <laughs> is that Jesus, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> went to encounter people that the world would have cast aside. And let's finish with this scripture. It says, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And if you remember the context of this scripture, the tax collectors back in the day, they were not popular people. They were hated. They were counted as traitorous puppets of the Roman government, right? Those who took advantage of their fellow Jews. And after this, he went out and saw one of those tax collectors named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said, meaning Jesus said to that tax collector, follow me. To that hated, despised, rejected tax collector. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. Isn't that the natural response whenever we meet Jesus in a real way? We throw a party, right? It's like, listen, I used to be, like I said before, in the club, but there ain't no party like a Jesus party because the Jesus party don't stop, right? That's the truth of the matter. And I'm freer now. I'm more full of joy now than I ever was in those dark, dank, stinky clubs. And Matthew understood that. Levi understood that. He said, listen, I've met this Jesus. i got to throw a party that somebody else might meet him too. 
and there was a large company of not other religious people, but other tax collectors just like him and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees, the religious people, and their scribes grumbled against the disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And check this out now. He says, I have not come. Jesus is making his mission, his intentions, why he was there, very plain. He says, I have come not to call the righteous, meaning those who have everything together, but sinners to repentance. I haven't come to call the righteous, but those who are sick. I'm not looking for those who have it all together. Yes, they're welcome to the party too. But for those who are humble enough to know I need a savior. He said, I've come for you. I've come for you. And it says, all of a sudden, the people were amazed because their orientation about who God actually valued, who God cared for, was renewed. And so all of a sudden, what that means for us is that in this world today, when Jesus heals us, the very people that God wants to reach through your life and through mine are not just the healthy, but the sick. Have you ever encountered a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor who did not love God? Anybody? Anybody find someone before who was blasphemous? Encountered somebody before who spoke ill of God? Lived an alternative lifestyle? Would have been shunned by the religious community. Good news, Jesus said, I've come for them. I've come for them, not for the healthy, but for the sick, to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So if you feel like this, let's put that picture up. If you feel like this in your spiritual life, in God, you remember that scene, right? Hawkeye jumping off. Jumping up. Does everybody know that scene? Okay, for those of you who are not acclimated to the Avengers mythology, okay, <laughs> this is when he's taken out the Chitauri, right? Jumping off as a ninja. If you feel like this, then you need to download this. Number two. Oh, so much power, it just shorted everything out. <laughs> it was like, ah. Well, what it is, it is a free app called the one, two, one. The one, two, one. Because if you are a spiritual ninja, uh, full of the grace and the love of God, community group leaders, you need to be taking somebody else through the word of God to walk them to the healing of the master. Just like those friends of the paralytic who are tearing open that roof getting somebody into the Word of God so that they might be touched and changed by Him. And then ultimately, making a disciple, you'll look like this. I don't know if the last picture will come up, but you'll look like this. Anybody watched Hawkeye yet? Okay, Kate Bishop, okay, the new Hawkeye, okay? 
That's what it means. What was he doing? He wasn't just jumping off buildings anymore. He said, I have a responsibility to raise up the new Avengers. I have a responsibility. Oh, I love this. I get to geek out today. I have a responsibility to actually show someone else how to walk and live free. Because Jesus said, come, follow me. I'm going to heal you, and then I'm going to make you something. I'm going to make you a fisher of men so that together you can be at the feet of the king, not only worshiping, but living in the freedom that he provided at the cross. So that's our charge to you today. Our charge is know what it means to be a disciple. Number two, have a little self-evaluation and see what needs to be healed in you as a disciple. When we go back into worship here, we want you to actually have a moment of prayer. To God, say, God, search me and find me. If there's any offensive way in me that I might be led in the way everlasting. God, if I've been leprous, I say to you, just like that man did, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And you're in a good place that if you've been paralyzed, God's ready to help you get unstuck today. If you cry out to the master, desperate for a change. And if you've come in here feeling like you have it all together, download that app. Thank you, Pastor Cole. For those of you online, we have a <laughs> QR code to where you can download the app, free of charge. But the point is, let's meet with the master today. Let's meet with the master today, get unstuck, and live in the freedom that he has for us. In Jesus' name, amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your word to us today and that we thank you that every time you bring us together, Father, it's not only for the worship of your great and mighty name, but it's so that you can release your healing, that there's a real power present to heal. And I want to pray for anyone here today in the service or anyone online. And I want to first pray for those who say, you know what, I've been like the leper. I feel like I've been dead on the inside and laying my hands on things that I didn't even realize were harming me, but I know its effects. I feel there are parts of my life that are unclean. I feel there are parts of my life that are deteriorating because I've not walked with the master. But today you say, you know what? I know if I come to Jesus and say, if you're willing, you can make me clean, he'll heal me. And if that's you and you say, I, I'm asking for a cleansing from the Lord today, would you raise your hand? I want to first pray for you because God can cleanse and heal you. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in here. And we thank you that, Jesus, you are willing. And by the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would meet them right where they are and heal them of their spiritual leprosy in Jesus' name. 
And at the same time, Jesus comes to those who feel paralyzed and stuck. And if you feel like you've been stuck in your life, stuck in a spiritual paralysis, and don't know how to get out, but you realize you're amongst friends today, full of faith in the master, ready to heal, and you're willing to say, Jesus, I need you to heal me of my sins and also get me unstuck in life. Help me to find the joy of the Lord that you promised would be mine in you. Help me to walk in the peace of God, which even transcends all understanding, that again is a gift from you. Help me to be free today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand because we want to pray for you. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would help them to get unstuck today. Heal them from their paralysis in mind, heart, and soul, and fill them with the promises of God. Fill them with faith for a new day based on your goodness and what you've come to do. And finally, we're going to have a moment of communion as we go into worship. Just focus on God right now. But before we take communion, it's a believer sacrament. Which means that people have chosen to get right with Jesus. Chosen to receive his work on the earth as a sinless man. Not only believing in his miracles, but believing in his sacrificial death at the cross. For the punishment of their sins. And if you've said to yourself, you know what, I've been around religious things before, but I've never submitted to Jesus as Lord. I've never come to the cross and said, Jesus, have your way, have it all. But I know I want to turn to him today so that he can make me a new creation in him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, good. Anyone else? Keep it high. Good. Anyone else? Good. Well, if that's you, I want you to pray this with me. Almighty God, thank you today for your love. And I thank you that even when I was in my leprosy and my paralysis, you came on a rescue mission for me. God, and I'm turning it all over to you today. I say you're my Lord, you're in charge, and I ask you to forgive me my sins. Make me a new creation show me how to walk with you and love you the rest of my days in Jesus name amen now if that was you uh, immediately after the service there'll be people over here at this banner saying we are here to pray with you if you're online there are going to be people uh, there to chat with you and pray with you online but please make your way over to meet with friends who also want to stand with you in this new life in Christ and let's go back and worship the living God together who's come to set us free. Amen? All right. Let's stand together.